Hey everyone, I wanna let you know about an upcoming virtual conference that you gotta check out. In an effort to bring more thoughtful dialogue to the topic of mental health in the Latter-day Saint context, the Leading Saints team has put together the Mentally Healthy Saints Virtual Summit. We have interviewed 20 plus individuals with expertise or real life experience related to so many mental health topics, including anxiety, depression, eating disorders, ADHD, and even scrupulosity. We will discuss all these topics as they relate to the Latter-day Saint faith experience and how we can all come together to better minister to those who struggle with mental health. It's free to attend virtually and you gotta join us. For more details on the topics that we will cover during the summit and to register for free, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash mental health. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash mental health. I'm Todd from San Antonio, and I support Leading Saints because I enjoy listening to podcasts or direction of how I can better myself or better my calling. And at the end of the day, that's what brings me a lot of happiness and joy in my calling. I enjoy anything from Dan Duckworth, Rob Farrell, how he speaks about the youth. Those are my two favorites. Some of you may know that Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And now all of us know that, right? And we do that by creating content like this podcast. We have great articles and additional resources at leadingsaints.org. Definitely visit there and jump in. Phenomenal content. My name is Kurt Frankham. I'm the host of the Leading Saints podcast, and you're in for another treat. See, this isn't just the, this, at least this episode isn't just another episode. It's a How I Lead segment where we talk with everyday leaders and ask them, how is it that you lead? You are going to really love this one. Sue Peterson from Elk Ridge, Utah, which is uh, down by Payson, Utah. She is a Stake Relief Society president. And shout out to her daughter, Whitney, for connecting us. You see, these, this is how these great interviews come to pass. People go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. They put in some information, say, hey, you should really interview this person and tell us why and maybe give that person a heads up. And it's phenomenal that the remarkable interview that comes out of this, this interview would not have been possible if Whitney wouldn't have gone to her email and sent us a message. So Sue has some phenomenal insight and she sent me an outline. I failed to look at it through most of it because we were just having, there was so much insight going here and you are going to love it. Definitely listen to how she utilizes what she calls the pretty president press uh, email that she sends to all her ward relief society presence every month. It's phenomenal and how she encourages people to delegate, how she onboards new relief society presidents, uh, you know, ward relief society presidents and gives them support right away is a phenomenal interview. This is the type of interview of why we do what we do at Leading Saints and uh, you're going to love it. So here is my interview with Sue Peterson, Stake Relief Society president. Today, I have the opportunity to sit down with Sue Peterson. How are you, Sue? I'm Dandy. Just happy to be here, Kurt. Good. Well, this is a How I Lead segment where we reach out to great dynamic individuals who maybe would never admit that they're great and dynamic. And I just was talk- just going to say, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> but we just talk with, uh, you know, maybe everyday people and how they how they lead in, in particular callings. And it's amazing what we can learn. So, so you've had the experience of being, I don't think it's a stake relief society president. Are you currently that, in that calling? 
Yeah. Okay, great. And how long have you been in that calling? Um, it'll be three years, three years. Well, about two and a half, two and okay. a half. Well, my, although my state president is not counting last year, he said oh, okay. that doesn't count. So just add another year <laughs> to what you're doing. Nice. Well, how do you feel about that? Did you, did you push you know, back a little? <laughs> no, cause I love him and I love the sisters I'm serving and, and you know what, whatever the Lord wants to do with me, that's just fine with me. Yeah. Yeah. And have, did you have opportunity to be a ward relief study president at some point? I did. I did that back in between 2000 and 2002. So I did have that chance, which was awesome. And, you know, when we talked earlier, you had asked me which leadership calling did I like the best. And quite frankly, whatever calling I'm in is my favorite. Well, that's kind of cool. like what you hear from missionaries. What's yeah. the best mission? Oh, my mission. Well, right now, this calling is the yeah. best one I've ever had. And then you know, when I taught Sunday school, that was the best one I ever had. So it just, yeah. you know, it depends. It's just proof. The Lord knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's well, a great way to frame it. You know, walking in any calling that this, this, every calling has the potential of being your favorite calling. And it's amazing how it turns into well, that when you set that intention. I had a friend who said, you get a calling for one of three reasons, what you can do for the calling, what the calling can do for you or to test the faith of the members. Sometimes it's a combination of all three, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It depends on the, the week. Yeah. Right? But uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> that's your, that's great. Um, and anything, I mean, when this calling was uh, extended to you, it was it, how, how did you feel? Was it intimidating? Did you feel ready or, or how did you even begin to transition into this, this calling? That's a good question. Well, I'm always anxious to get set apart as soon as possible because mm. that's when the keys and the authority of that particular calling are given. And then I feel that I can function better. Um, and then I just kind of, I mean, of course I'm saying, are you sure you know what you're doing, President Newman? Because <laughs> I'm not even that nice you know, to be a state relief society president. I'm a little bit out there and I am, I'm pretty different yeah. than your average sweet image of a state relief society president but i'm noticing that a lot of women in leadership callings are not your cookie cutter sweet that the lord right. is calling women who are a little different yeah and i think uh, there's a good reason for that but uh i don't know i just i am so grateful for counselors because to me counselors are a gift and you know that scripture that says, I will be on your right hand and on your left hand and my angels round about you. Well, that to me can also apply to a counselors on your right hand and your left hand. Yeah. And uh, so having them, you know, and calling in the prior secretary, keeping her was a good move <laughs> because she knew what was going on. So it's just, you know, and the president told me, he said, you were going to make mistakes. And he was prophetic because I have. And you learn to say, I'm sorry a lot. And uh, you just make mistakes and then you, okay, I'm sorry. And I'll try better and I'll do it this way. So yeah. you just learn. So if you're not the, uh, the, the sweet uh, relief site president, however you said, how do you, what kind of relief site president are you? Uh, I'm a realist. I'm very yeah. honest about what's going on in my life. And I encourage the board relief society presidents to do the same. And we model that for the stake when we have an opportunity to teach like at ward conferences. I have, I have six daughters, three are inactive. One's gay. One's living with her boyfriend. And 
it is funny to watch a group of Relief Society sisters when you say the word lesbian to them, say, my daughter's a lesbian. And it's uh-huh. just kind of, it really is kind of amusing. She's even like, did she really say, did she say that? Did she really say that? Um, and then to just talk about how the Lord has walked me through that. And the honesty, I see this happening in a lot of areas, not just Relief Society, but we need to drop the facade. We need to be honest and say, hey, this is what's going wrong in my life. And uh, we had a great experience with a, a ward conference a couple of years ago. I was talking, I, our state president allows us to give the lesson that, to the Relief Society. And I had chosen to talk about um, what do we do when those we care about leave the church? Because that's happening. It's happened to me. It's happening to everyone. Then my counselor, my presidency, they stepped forward and said, well, I think I'll share what it's like to um, have a family where I'm the only one who's active. My husband and my children don't go to church anymore. And then the next one, she said, well, I'm going to share what it's like when prayers aren't answered, like when I had a flesh-eating disease and that I woke up from a coma and I had 20% of my body was covered in skin grafts. And a few years later, my son took his own life. And then the secretary, she stepped forward and she said, well, I'd like to talk about what it's like coming back to church when you have, when you are a single mom, you have a brand new baby out of wedlock. I want to talk about that and how hard it is to walk in the door. And those honest stories coming from state leaders, which I don't buy into that whole state, but just the <laughs> honesty of this is what's happening in, in our lives. And it touched the sisters. It was powerful. The stories were powerful and they were real and honest and sisters came up afterwards and made connections said, Oh, that happened to me, or I can understand. As far as I'm concerned, if you can be brutally honest and granted, there are things that should not be shared from your life. I totally get that, but there's a whole lot that can be when we share the mess that can be in our life. Then others can feel free to do the same. If we do it as leaders, they can do the same. And then healing starts because connections are made. You went through that. Oh, well, so did I. What did you do? Well, this is what I did. And, you know, hiding behind curtains and pretending everything's hunky-dory does not do anybody any good. You know, I suck on my diet soda while we're having meetings. And and, I mean, I'm just, I am who I am. And I think that's why I'm a little bit different. I don't mind if people see me in my pajama pants out walking the dog. Yeah. Well, sounds like it's a good difference. So that's great. Well, I hope so because it is what it is. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And and I love that, you know, as far as dropping the facade, I mean, I think there's a lot of Relief Society sisters or Relief Society presidents or even elders, quorum presidents, bishops, you know, they, they want to facilitate that type of feeling in their organization, but a lot of times they don't know necessarily how to go about it. And and what I learned from what you said is sometimes you have to be the first one to take the step of dropping the facade. Anything else that you would tell individuals as far as how to stimulate that vulnerability and openness in an organization? Um, Well, just model it. You've got to model it. You've got to be brave. And it really takes a step into the dark when you can say, okay, I might be a state relief society president, but half of my children have left the church. Yeah. And um, which I could take as, did I fail as a parent? And, and then going through that process saying, okay, so when my daughter came out, I went to the Lord and said, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And the answer came back, 
just love her. Just love her. And I'm like, well, I can do that. But what if in loving her, she thinks I've softened my position and that I agree with her? And very quickly, the spirit answered, that is not your problem. I will handle that. Hmm. I will take care of how it's interpreted. All you have to do is love her. So sharing stories like that, like this is the mess that happened. And this is how the Lord is helping the mess get cleaned up. And this is how he's involved in it. And uh, just, I know there are sisters who don't like the way that I am, that I am dishonest. It's uncomfortable for them. But you have to understand you are the leader for some. And then for others, you will not be. That will be someone else's job. Hmm. And you will offend people. It's just going to happen. You don't want to. And you'll apologize if you find out. But when you share things like that that are shocking to some individuals, even though they're real, you have to understand that some aren't going to take it well. And and that's unfortunate, but that is not going to keep me from sharing these things because I think it's part of the reason that I'm in this column yeah. is that sisters can know, oh, it's okay to have things falling apart and still be active in the church. And the Lord has given me this ability to, you know, on one hand, I have my children who I love and enjoy who aren't doing what the church is teaching, but I believe this. And so how do the two mesh? How do you walk the middle? Well, that's the atonement. That's the savior helping you to walk the middle. And I have watched parents follow their children out of the church, thinking that that's how they need to show support. Well, if we can come, if we can show those we lead that we have real lives And this is how the Lord is helping us navigate those real lives. Then that tells them, I don't have to leave the team, the club, the church. I can still do both. And the Lord can show me how to navigate that middle ground. So you have to just be brave. You really do. Yeah. There's a few things I want to underscore and maybe ask follow-up questions to is, is one, you know, I have to tell people in leadership, there's no matter what organization you're in on average, about 15% of that organization just isn't going to like you as a leader. And the problem comes when as a leader, you try and appeal to that 15% and that becomes your sole focus. And and then you forget that that 15% only grows because you have alienated the others that, uh, <laughs> that actually great. like you as leader. Right. Right. Any tips on like, how do you get, to a place of peace with realizing, you know what, not everybody's going to like me or consider me a great leader or want to follow me, but that's okay. We can move forward with the ones who do want to. to Because you live by the motto, what you think of me is none of my business. The Mm -hmm. only opinion that matters is God's opinion. And if I'm square with him in what I'm doing, I'm sorry if you don't like who I am, but maybe the Lord will work on you and maybe you'll like my counselors. Or maybe you will really like your own ward president. But really, what you think of me, none of my business. I only care what the Lord thinks. And if I am focused on doing what he wants me to do, then apparently the right ones will like what I say. And I just do my job as I see that the Lord wants me to do it. When I mess up, I take responsibility and I say, I'm sorry. And if that works for some, great. If it doesn't for others, it's that same principle that I put down in one of those bullet points that I tell the Relief Society presidents and their counselor, their whole presidency. If you have done all that you can to help sisters have a good experience with ministering or to come to church and and all the women that I work with, my job is not 1,400 women. It's 13. We have 13 units. Those are my job. 
they, they're the ones out there serving the sisters and doing the hard work. And so I know that they're trying to do the best thing that's in the best interest of the sisters they serve. And if those efforts aren't producing the fruit they'd like, it is not their problem. I don't want them carrying it. And I, it makes me sad when I hear relief site friends, what am I going to do? I can't get the sister. She has agency. Sorry, but you have done what you can. You've left it in the Lord's hands and don't wear it. Don't wear it. Don't carry it. Move on. And don't think it's your fault wow. because it's yeah. not. And now that might be kind of a different view, but I, that's what I want them to understand. Yeah. It's not your fault. Yeah. And, and really as, as mortals, we can only do so much, you know, and even right. though uh, some days we could have done more and we didn't do more, you know, and we just yeah. have to well, be. And, and don't think the Lord isn't still involved. Yeah. One of the things I, and I learned this because I learned so much from having a kid that's gay. I can't even tell you hmm. it's been hard, but oh my goodness, the lessons. And that's anything. The Lord is the master of spin. He can take anything and spin it and make it into something good. Um, if you choose to look at it that way. And one of the things was, is I was lamenting about this whole oh, difficult situation. I don't know if I thought the Lord had turned his back on her, but I didn't think he'd be involved, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, the answer, the, the thought that came, which I would have never come up with, so I know where it came from, was, well, Sue, I didn't put her in this situation and neither did you, but she put herself there. But while she's there, I'm going to teach her how to be in a good healthy relationship and i went wait a second she's in a same-sex relationship well you're gonna do what and by golly that's exactly what he's doing because she never really had a healthy relationship with any of the guys that she dated and now she's with a partner who's fabulous and she's learning how to be selfless and she's learning how to think of someone else and put other and it's just it's a marvelous thing to see and it's happening where she is the Lord's working at her where, with her where she is. So with that principle, if you look at a sister who isn't doing her ministering or isn't going to come back to church when COVID's over, because there's a real chance that that's going to happen, leaders worry about it, then don't think the Lord isn't there working. You know, he's teaching lessons to sisters who maybe don't go out ministering, and then they realize, well, I don't get ministered to, and that feels crappy, so maybe I should start doing it. You don't know how the Lord is working. He certainly isn't standing back and waiting for them to do the things he wants them to do before he gets involved. He works with us where we are to try and help us a bit at a time. I think that helps to understand, okay, I've done what I can. They're not responding the way I think they should. They're in God's hands, and he is still doing his thing. So I trust that that's happening. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, Sue. I love that. So you mentioned something, there's a few things that, uh, and there's so many directions we can go with this, but you talked about that you're, you're not a leader to 1400 sisters, like all the sisters in your stake. I mean, technically, I guess you are, but, but you focus on, you focus on those relief society presidents in the ward, right? Mm -hmm. How did, how did you get to that, that thought process? It's in the handbook. It's in the handbook. They are my job. And, you know, I get asked occasionally, well, how are the sisters in the state? I don't know, but I can tell you how 13 of them are because <laughs> I keep track of them. I talk to them. I try to have a relationship with them. For word conferences, I added an extra meeting where I had a one-on-one with each one of the presidents, which was a delightful experience. I love these women. Yeah. 
Yeah. And my job is to make sure that they have all the tools that they need to do their job effectively. Because it's hard enough as it is, but to have something get in the way, like not having the resources you need or having priesthood that does not cooperate. When I find out there's a bishop that doesn't respond to his relief society president or an elders form president, I tattle. I go to the state president and say, look, your boys are not being good to my girls. And that needs to change because she's got a hard job and she needs his cooperation. So, but I haven't had to do that much. The <laughs> yeah. bishops are oh, maybe I once, love it. maybe yeah. once. And the state president's just like, oh, here she is again. But um, <laughs> no, they, this is how the Lord, he's very organized. His church is a very organized one. And he's made it clear. That's what state leaders do is they minister to and take care of ward leaders because the ward leaders are a relief site ward relief site president is 50 times harder than what i'm doing hmm. i just i want to make sure that they know i'm here to answer any question that comes up and if i don't know the answer by golly i will find it to make sure that they have what they need um so they can do their job and yeah. gosh i love them they are just such a wonderful group of women um i feel I, I had no use for the state before this, which is probably why I'm in this calling. <laughs> I remember asking a um, former leader, it was a bishop my husband was serving us, they said, what is the purpose of the state? We don't see any reason for it. And he was just like, well, there's keys that the state president has and all of that. And I just like, I just don't get it. So, you know, angels take notes when you say things like that. <laughs> like, oh, well, we'll make sure she does this one, won't we? And so now I'm in it. The reason I love it is because I'm getting to know sisters outside my ward boundaries. And I love the sisters in my ward, but I would never know these 13 fantastic women that I get to work with if I hadn't been in a state calling. So it all you do is look in the manual and we're being told what to do. And that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Now I love this, uh, this, concept of as a stake leader because like you said like when you're not in it you sometimes wonder what's what's the deal with what's these people like deal? what do they do you know they show up every ward conference and yeah. act like they care i don't know and and there's some other ones you know that, that right. do a good job and i don't mean to you know, know. speak generally but anyways but and then you get put in these these roles and i remember going from being a bishop into the stake presidency and i sort of felt like oh so now i'm sort of a bishop to thousands of people rather than hundreds of people. I'm like, okay, well, that, that seems overwhelming. That won't work. And so you sort of lose your identity sometimes yeah. or your, the role seems odd. And to one of these that they mentioned is like being an advocate for the ward leaders that, that you uh, lead. Right. And I, I love this concept of when, cause this, this happens. I mean, I get the emails so of, of sometimes there's this, friction between a relief society president or a bishop or a relief society president and a elders quorum president. Right. And they don't know what to do. And, and so you can step in as an advocate and right. go to the, the big guns and say, Hey, listen, this yeah. isn't working. You need to address this. Cause yeah. like you said, my girls need the help. Right. Yeah. I love yeah. Your boys are getting in the way of my girls doing the job. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes the relief society presidents feel good too, that they're not, that if that happens, they're not powerless yeah. to do something about it. And, and sometimes it's, it's not the bishop's fault. It's his leadership style is different than what hers is. And she might be a better communicator than he is. And she doesn't understand that. And so there's some, you know, sometimes we counsel and talk about 
okay, so this is what you can do to make that relationship a little bit more comfortable. And maybe there's some more patience you have that you know, this guy is going to school and has a family and is a bishop. Maybe he needs a few more days before he can get back to you on this particular issue. So, you know, it can be a lot of things, but that's my job. Yeah. And, and it and sounds I like I would expect that that will go a lot smoother. The more positive your relationship is with your, your stake president that you work with. Right. So any, any yeah. thoughts or anything you could speak to as far as developing a good relationship with your well, I apply them with gifts occasionally. I give them small gifts. <laughs> Bribery. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I find a deal on 15 pairs of socks. And so I each give them a socks with a poem and just tell them how cool they are. And <laughs> and I put out a, uh, uh, it's called the Pretty President's Press. It's a newsletter once a month. Because I don't like to flood them with all kinds of texts and, and emails if I don't have to. And there's some things that can wait a month before I tell them. So I put it all together in one thing because I know they're getting all kinds of social communication. So I don't want to so, add to the pressure. So you call it the pretty president's, president's press? Because <laughs> I want them so, to feel special, you know, <laughs> and, and when we visit and we did this with COVID. We've done this with COVID with Zoom meetings. We just drop in on Relief Society lessons all year long. We don't just go to work conference. We want to be a presence. We want to be seen and I don't know what good that does, but I just know that's what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So we just show up and we've told them we're not showing up to critique you, to tell you what you're doing right or wrong, which is there because we want to be there. And I want you to know that you have my support and I want the sisters to see me there supporting you because people put more importance on this calling title than I do. And so I just we just make ourselves no, we're not something that just shows up at ward conference or occasionally in a, in a state conference. We are there. We, meaning my whole presidency, we all do this. We go to activities. I've been to many activities, learning how to make pie crusts and cinnamon rolls and humanitarian projects. And I just show up. And so that helps. And I have to tell you, like I mentioned, those one-on-one -on -one meetings I had with each president before their ward conference was fantastic because it's not that they don't get along with their, their presidency, but there are some things going on in their life that they don't want to talk about in front of seven other women, my presidency and theirs. And so it was almost as if I had an opportunity to be a minister to them, you know, ministering to them and talking about what's going on and just saying, Hey dude, that sucks. You know, um, I'm so sorry that that's happened or I love you. And um, it, it was wonderful. And when a new president is called, I meet with her individually right off the bat because I want her to know who I am. I want her to know that she has my support. I want to put her mind at ease because usually they're freaking out because they've been given this calling. And uh, so I just start a dialogue as soon as possible. Uh, like, sometimes the day that they get set apart, man, I am on the doorstep saying, okay, let's talk. And they're oh, like, wow. okay, let's talk. <laughs> so yeah. I think, I think those things help. I don't know. Wow. One thing I will not do is put as a stake leader, put extra burdens on the stake sisters by organizing all kinds of activities for them to do. That isn't my job. I have two things a year that I can do in handbook states and so I do, a, we do a fireside or some kind of, we did a broadcast recently. Um, 
that is for the whole state. And, and there might be a humanitarian project once a year, but I am not going to put burdens on the presidents or on the sisters. It's the ward's responsibility to know what their sisters need and to plan those activities. And um, so I don't, I don't make extra work for myself or for them by doing things like that. Wow. Wow. Okay. There, there's all sorts of questions I have. So let me back up a little bit. The pretty press, the pretty president's press. press. Yes. (laughs) So this just goes to the state presidency. The real, the ward presidencies. Oh, okay. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sending that to the state president. Okay. (laughs) Cause I guess I miss, I missed it together. So that you send, you send like once a month to all the ward, uh, relief society presidents. Do you send it to their counselors or just the presidents? Just them. Okay. And it's just like, here's the information you need to know. Right. Whatever. Right. Well, and sometimes there's a little funny something in there. Okay. Or sometimes, you know, I, I post something that's a little ridiculous. Just, you know, it's just, <laughs> that's how you communicate when you yeah. teach youth, right? You yeah. do something fun or whatever to catch their attention. And then you teach a principal. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, if you watch any youth speaker that's successful, something cute, something cute, and then teach a principal. And yeah. so I, it's, I don't have it in me for the whole thing to be serious at all. <laughs> the more I, I get to know don't. you, Sue, that does not surprise me. So <laughs> see, see what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, th- now th- this just sounds so simple, but it is so powerful because I remember at, at serving in the state presidency, we would send a weekly email to all the bishops after our state presidency meeting. You know, we included, this is where each, member of the state presidency plans to be on Sunday, what wards we're going to visit. Here's, you know, the three random announcements and Hey, we are looking for a second counselor and the young men's presidency and, you know, send us some names or like, we just put it in one email and they knew every week they get that one email. And it's amazing. Just like we didn't save it all for the next big meeting. Right. And then we just sort of hit them with all this list of information. So very simple, but extremely powerful as a stake leader to just, keep, keep in touch, you know, and like you say, you don't need to do every week. Maybe it's just once a month from the release society or whatever. So very powerful principle. Yeah. And you know, there are things that come up that are time sensitive that have to be done. Yeah. Yeah. And I find if I don't abuse the privilege of emailing and texting them to ad nauseum, you know, just follow all the time when I really need to get a point across, they are much more receptive because, Oh, this must be important because Mm -hmm. we don't hear from her in between the pretty president's press. And so, (laughs) yeah, that's awesome. As far as like showing up in ward meetings or zoom meetings as of late, it's good. Uh, you obviously set that expectation or that standard. I'm not here to like with a clipboard and to take right. notes and give criticism, but I'm just here being present. Uh-huh. Anything else you do w- when you show up in general that you found helpful? I don't make a lot of comments because it's not my platform. Hmm. That's theirs. So I try not to, I might make a comment occasionally, but I don't want to take away from the sisters. Something we did for ward conferences this year because they were zoom conferences is we facilitated a discussion with the sisters saying that you haven't heard from each other for a year, really. So we're going to ask two questions and I want you to make comments. And so you can hear from each other so you can reconnect. And, and that was great because all of the meetings were different because there were different concerns for these two questions. How do you hear him and how do you let God prevail? And 
So, you know, unless I am teaching a lesson or giving a talk, I don't want to take over their meeting. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, want to be there. And and sometimes I'm asked a question, but not often, not often. And that's fine. Well, and you also do, you don't critique, but you get a feeling for what's happening with the sisters in the ward. And if they're responding, you know, to questions and what they're saying. And, and so that gives you a feel for what's happening in that particular ward. Nothing to do with leadership at, at all, but just, eh, this is something the sisters are, you know, we have, like all stakes, we've got a ward with four nurseries, and then we've got another one with a retirement community. So, and then we've got a care center. So all the needs are different in every ward. And it's nice to be there, to touch base, to hear, so you have a better feel for the feeling, you know, things going on in the ward with the sisters. Yeah. So you did this as as a ward conference setting where you were sort of, you were expected to lead the discussion for that Sunday. Is that right? And so you, you didn't put a lengthy lesson plan together. You went in with two questions and said, this is what we're doing for this half hour or hour. Right. Yep. Here are two questions. Here they are. And I, then I stared them down. (laughs) And I waited, you know, and when somebody made a comment, I would comment on their answer. Uh, just to validate that, yes, I heard you and what you said was important. And yeah. this is what I think. And then that would prompt someone else. And so yeah. I, I've watched teachers who they'll ask a question in a class. And when it's answered, somebody says something, they just move on with the lesson. But I want the person who's commented to know, yes, you were heard. Yeah. What you said was important. And so, you know, of course that leads to a few comments that you make here and there, but yeah, no, I wasn't pontificating. I was just <laughs> leading a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those two questions were, were, how do you hear him and how's the and, Lord prevailing in your yeah, life? And how does God prevail? God prevail. Gotcha. Or how do you let God prevail? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And the next thing I wanted to go back to and, and, and investigate a little further is this, uh, this process of, knowing when a ward relief site president is, is called and get, going to her doorstep as soon as possible to sort of encourage and, and mm-hmm. tell them the next step, right? Any, anything you'd add to that process, what it looks like. And, and also how do you sometimes, you know, there's such turnover in wards. Maybe you're not, you missed the, the fact that someone's getting released and called. Does, how did you keep on top of that? Um, I, you know, I'll have bishops tell me, I, I got an email from a bishop the other day. We're, by the way, we're changing our presidency, so I appreciate that. I just seem to find out. Maybe it's okay. because I'm all over the place. Maybe it's because I'm yeah. being seen in wards. Um, I'm not quiet and in the corner. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I find out, and it's important that I do. Yeah. Um, so anything you do, like as far as other than just showing up and encouraging, what any other oh. steps you take? Dude, I have a whole outline. <laughs> I have a whole outline of things that I go over, not just the the perfunctory duties, but just encouragement to not because they're freaked out, they're overwhelmed, and want them to know. Okay, you you understand these are your specific must dos. It's in the handbook. This is what you must do. But delegate. You know, let your counselors do. You don't have to do everything. And the thing is, you get women in callings like this, and they are doers. They get things done. And so they have to, some of them have to learn how to let go and delegate and and let someone else 
fill out the vision for what it is that they're doing. For instance, um, if you turn over family history and temple work to a counselor, you say, this is what you're supposed to do. Now, go do it. However, let her fill the measure of her calling. Don't, you know, you know, you got to know something, nothing hinky is going on. But if it's something different than what you would do, but it's not wrong, what's the problem? There's no problem. Let her do it. If, if a counselor suggests a certain teacher for Relief Society and nothing wrong with her, it's not who you would pick, what's the, do it. Let her fill her calling. And we have Just Serve is something the Stake Relief Society presidents are supposed to be promoting in their stake. And Just Serve for us has been hard to get it off the ground. So I got permission to ask for a um, Just Serve specialist, a sister from each ward to be trained in Just Serve so that, and then make sure she understood the program, how it works. And then I've said to them, okay, now you decide how you want to do this and introduce it to your ward, whether you go to presidencies in sacrament meeting on a zoom call, however it works, you know how to do it. Now you take it and you implement it in your ward. And how she does that is fine. I, you got to let it go. And so that's one thing. If you can help presidents understand, delegate, let stuff go. You do not have to micromanage everything. You do not have to be the one in charge of everything. You need to be available to visit with sisters and talk to sisters and help sisters with welfare needs and help them find social service help that they need, you know, that kind of stuff. You'll be doing a lot of visiting so the sisters see who you are and they know that they, they, they have a voice. But, man, let your counselors work. Let them do their job because women want to. Call a ministering secretary for everybody in your presidency. You can do that. Manuals, the manuals are getting smaller. The handbooks are smaller. And Relief Society presidencies can call sisters to all kinds of ad hoc assignments or callings. There's really very few limitations that you can get somebody to help you. If you're the counselor and you're over family history and temple work and you would like a sister to help you, then ask for permission to get an ad hoc assigned sister to you, or maybe the bishop calls someone to be your assistant. Spread the joy. Spread the joy. You don't have to do it all by yourself. And that's yeah. what I want to get across to these Relief Society presidents and to help them know you are in this calling because God wants you in it. He does not call a Relief Society president as an important calling. Just anybody. He prepared you. He chose you. You may not think you have what it takes. You do. You will learn it. You will make mistakes. You will offend sisters left and right, but you will apologize. And your unique gifts are exactly what your ward needs at this time. I don't believe you were ever called by accident, not for a calling like this, because women are very important to the Lord's work. And it's not an accident. We have a prophet with nine daughters and two strong wives. He understands women's role in the church and women in a lot of ways are leading the charge. So why would he put someone in a leadership position in a war that was just eh, an afterthought? That person's been prepared and um, whether they know it or not, they're ready to lead. Wow, that's powerful. So, and I love this concept of 
of, you know, we, we hear the mantra a lot as far as delegation, you know, delegate, you should delegate more, don't do it yourself. But I love that you add this part to it of, and let it go. Like you, you can't teach delegation without including that step of actually I need to let it go. I don't mean like assign yeah, someone so, to do it and then also let it go. Yeah. No, well, and you do, you have a responsibility to know what's happening. Yeah. That way, if anything is sketchy, then okay. Mm -hmm. But most of the time it's not, but you still need to know and understand that nothing's wrong with this solution. Nothing's wrong with this. It's not what I would do, but let's let it happen. And you might find out that it was a better result and a better approach than you had, because guess what? You don't have all the answers. You don't have all of the revelation. You know, each one of those counselors and the secretary have been set apart in their responsibility. So let them enjoy that. Let them do that. So I have to ask every time somebody mentions they have an outline or or something like that, I get emails. Hey, can I get that outline? So uh, with your outline of what you do with new release site presidents, is that something you'd be willing to share? Oh, sure. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll put it in the show notes or somewhere okay. uh, that people can access it. But uh, okay. I just know the emails are going to come. So I might as well ask the question. Well, if I, maybe if it's from your sister, your mom or my daughter, maybe. Right. Oh, get, right. No that. one else has seen this, right? <laughs> yeah. I told Sue before we record, just my mom's going to hear this and maybe her daughter and that's it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. If, but if anybody else happens to stumble across it on the podcast black market, then uh, we can, uh, <laughs> yes. we can reach out to us. So okay. awesome, man. I haven't even glanced at the, the outline you sent me, but it looks like we've covered most of those. Most of No, this is great. It's been very organic and we just went in different places as far as just like other either technologies you use or, or systems you put in place, you know, like you mentioned the system of showing up to help newly called release society presence, any other systems or technologies you use to succeed in your calling? You know, I find it really interesting how the Lord, like I said, he spins things, COVID, the pandemic's been a drag, but he has given us this technology. And I almost think he said, Okay, I gave it to you. You weren't really using it. Now I'm going to force you to learn how to use it and see the benefits of it. And oh, my goodness, there are many things that I'm going to do differently. The women in my presidency, some of them work full time. The last thing I want to do is say, hey, come home and come to a meeting. Well, I don't want to do that to them. I don't have to anymore. We can get on a Zoom meeting and Darlene can be eating her dinner because she just got home from work and I don't have to pull her away from her home. And to core, and when you have uh, meetings with ward presidents, to your presidency and their presidency for like either orientation or ward conference, to try and coordinate eight schedules to be in the same room physically at the same time is a nightmare for our secretary. <laughs> yeah. So, but getting them on a Zoom call, this one can be in California. This one could be actually on the road. You can do it. And so we will utilize that absolutely from now on. And we also put up a YouTube channel for our stake. And mm-hmm. every week on Thursday, Thursday mornings, we have a gospel study class for the sisters in the stake. Uh, we use an institute manual. and We have four teachers from the stake that are called and uh, they teach an hour lesson. And we have about 25 sisters that attend, but we also have it broadcast. We've been able to do that. So there are sisters at home who can watch. So we leave that, we leave those up for a day or so so sisters can watch them. The uh, 
the fireside quote broadcast we had, we did it as a YouTube channel. And I've left it up for sisters to watch who couldn't watch it live. And we started a new little video series called How I Hear Him. And it's a collection of short two to five minute videos of sisters in the state who share something they have recently learned about the Savior, his gospel, or experienced that they share on these short snippets. Um, and I leave those there and we advertise them on Facebook. And I also put them in the Pretty Presidents Press so that they can send them around, send the link around. And it's just another, uh, hopefully, a way for sisters to hear from other sisters in the state and hear their experiences with the Savior. So we, yeah, we have our, we have a YouTube channel because we're super cool that way. So right? when you say you have a YouTube channel like this, is it the Stake Relief Society channel or is just a general Stake channel? No, it's the Stake Elkwood Stake Relief Society channel because we're super cool that way. Okay, we're special. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Well, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so I've I've enjoyed the whole thing with technology that we've been forced to use, and and, and things are going to be done differently. And I was out of town on a little vacation, and I was vacate I was vacationing, and in between that, I'm having meetings with really society presidents, presidencies, a personal finance self reliance class in Phoenix, and I thought the Lord is making it possible for us to multitask. Because as we know from Joseph Smith Matthew, there's a verse in there that talks about that the, basically the Lord will speed up time. He's going to speed time up to get us through this faster. And we can feel it, can't we? Yeah. I mean, to, next week will be Christmas. It's just crazy. <laughs> so in order for us to get everything done that we need, here, folks, let, learn this technology and use it and multitask with it so that you can get more done in a shorter period of time. And so I see that as being, and also, you know, temples, right. The temples are closed. Well, temple attendance was down a little. So mm-hmm. is the Lord saying, hmm, not going? Well, let's see how you feel when you can't go. And I would like to see a resurgence that stays at a high level for temple attendance because it goes up, you know, the new film, everybody's there and then it goes back down. Yeah. Well, let's hope we've learned a lesson, you know, that uh, we're going to go more now that we've been without it for a long time. So powerful, powerful stuff, Sue. So last question I have for you is just reflecting on your time as a stake relief society president, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? By understanding, well, my favorite scripture is found in John 15, five. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me, ye can do nothing. And uh, one of the, I think it was President Benson said, the Lord can do a lot more with my life than I can. I believe that. Oh boy, do I believe that. And understanding that, that you work together as a team to get the most done and be good at your job. And also, <laughs> the Lord knows, I'm, I'm not a women's liver, but I believe in the power of women. And, and I have six daughters, you know, all powerful women. Yeah. And my patriarchal blessing gives a little warning in there to, you know, to uh, follow the leaders of the church. <laughs> and so I've taken that to heart and I counsel a lot with my state president, who's wonderful. And President Nelson, having us women understand the role of the priesthood in our life better has been really important, I think, for me and for like, to understand that 
if there's a difference between priesthood power, priesthood ordinances, priesthood authority, priesthood, all of that kind of stuff, and priesthood keys. And so working together as a team, men and women, you know, that helps me be a better follower. You know what? You can't every like I said, every calling that you get prepares you for the next calling. And I had done a hand part trick, um, had organized one of those. But before doing that, I had been in young women's. I had been in camp. I had been a camp leader. I had been an advisor and I had done hood badge, you know, so I could learn camping skills. If I had said no to those things, then when I was faced with organizing a hand part trek, it would have been harder. It would have been so much harder. So being a follower and doing the things that the Lord offers you to do, I was even a Weeblos leader and I have six girls. I looked at Brother Miller and went, what do you mean a Weeblos leader? Well, it was one of the most wonderful experiences. I still have a relationship with these boys. So I don't want to turn things down. I trust the Lord's in charge, and I trust that the leaders, I have to, that the ones who call me to these things are doing what he wants them to do. So being a team player is just crucial. It really is. That concludes my interview with Sue Peterson. Wasn't she a hoot? I loved that interview. I'm sure you did as well. So insightful, so real, so much to learn from. This will probably be one you should review a few times uh, and definitely share. If you know of a Ward Relief Society president, a Stake Relief Society president, I mean, even a Stake presidency, this would be so good for any Stake leader to hear because she just has some truth bombs, some incredible insight as far as how to really establish yourself in that calling on the Stake level. So would you mind dropping this link in an email, Facebook page, whatever you got to do, and uh, make sure you share this. This will be so helpful and bless so many lives. The more ears we get this audio in. So we'd appreciate it. And again, thank you, Whitney, for suggesting your mom. If there's anybody else who thinks they have a good suggestion for a How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, put in the information, and uh, we'll see if we can make it happen. And don't forget to register for free for the Mentally Healthy Saints virtual summit by texting the word LEAD to 474747 or visiting leadingsaints.org slash mental health. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.